no matter what battle you're going through right now in your life, we have a God who fights for you, right? We have a God who is with us in the middle of the battle. So a uh, happy Easter, everybody. It is uh, really great to uh, see each one of you here this morning, and I know that God has something special for each one of you. Whether you have been here a uh, hundred times, you've been here today is your very first time. just want to say thank you uh, so much uh, for being with us. You can go ahead and, uh, and be seated. It's a good day. How many of you are glad for like 75 degree weather today? That is ridiculous for Easter for uh, Utah. That's <laughs> good stuff. Going to go out tanning right afterwards, right? That's the. Uh... <laughs> well, it is Easter, right? And this is a uh, this is a powerful day that we as a church have celebrated for thousands of years. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what Easter actually means and what the resurrection actually means in our lives. It's one thing. Uh, to have just a nice service, but it's another thing entirely uh, for the resurrection actually to mean something for us today. Uh, just like we sang a moment ago, there is this battle that we wage. There's this battle that goes on uh, all around us. How many of you feel that uh, not everything is right in the world? We feel that way right now, right? Just something's amiss. Uh, we feel it. We sense it. We uh, uh, we struggle against all of these things around us. There's this, this thing called the pandemic, right, that's still kind of uh, there and around and affecting all of our relationships and our workplaces. And there's something ill-fitting in our world. Creation around us is groaning, right? Inwardly, we sense that same battle that something is just not right. And so we struggle. We struggle in this battle. So does it have to be this way? Do we have to be struggling in this battle? Well, to answer that question, 
I would like to um, like to take us on a little bit of a journey this morning as we uh, go through a bit of uh, a bit of uh, what Easter is all about. But in order to get to that answer, we've got to go to the life of Christ. And I'm going to start with what's behind me. I'm going to start with the cross. And obviously, there's a whole lot more to the story of Jesus than the cross. But the cross, as we found out last week, uh, represents the, the, the thing, the moment in Jesus' life that everything in the Gospels is pointing towards is the cross. Something powerful happened on it. So for us, the cross is a symbol. For the first century culture in Rome, it was not a symbol. This was something that was known as a place of brutal death. That's what it was known for. Nothing else. It was a place of torture. It was a place where a life is ended was on that cross. So it was on a cross like this that Jesus' life was given. The question is, and I think uh, whether you are brand new to this whole thing, and for, like, again, first time in church, or uh, you've been here a long time, uh, the question of why, why did Jesus give his life? Why did he give his life? So the big picture is that of a perfect life willingly given for our life. Um, and his life was given because our lives are marred and broken by sin. Now, sin is something that we are very familiar with, and, and in our lives is something, well, uh, how many of you have children under the age of 18? Have they ever been disobedient? Not once, right? It, I mean, it starts young, right? It, we know that we feel. How many of you, before the age of 18, you did something unwise and relatively stupid in your life, right? Okay, so we're all in that boat. We recognize even as young people moving certainly into adulthood when we understand these things we should not do, but we still do them. We're marred and, and marked by sin. It's just part of who we are. Um. So on a Friday afternoon, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus was crucified, although he had done nothing wrong. It was his choice to give himself. He didn't have to, but he did. And on that day, all of creation seemed to mourn the death of the Son of God. It says in the Bible that near the time of his death that a darkness came across the entire land. There was like a heaviness in creation. Um, a little bit later on, it talks about an earthquake that struck at that same time at the death of Jesus. God in the flesh was dying to provide life for each one of us. It's really tough for us to grasp this. Um, I've been a Christian now for, let's see, I'm 50, 30, whatever, 32 years or so that I have been a Christian. And uh, this whole thing of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins is still very hard for me to grasp and to understand why he did this. But he did. <laughs> he did give every bit of his life. And at one point on the cross, it says in Mark chapter 15, it says, and these are Jesus' words, really his final words in the book of Mark. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? God, why have you forgotten me? These are the words of Jesus, the Son of God. And now, now real quick, going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Um, we believe um, that the Bible reveals God to be um, uh, and we use a, a, a human word trying to describe something that's indescribable. We use this word Trinity, which describes God as three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to solve this problem this morning, right, as we figure out what this is. But suffice it to say that God the Son, revealed in Jesus Christ, um, when he is dying on this cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the first time that God has experienced separation. And Jesus on the cross is experiencing what creation has experienced since the fall of man way back in the book of Genesis. There's something broken in our relationship with God. And Jesus senses this and experiences it. 
and his heart is breaking along with his father's because there's a forsakenness of Jesus on the cross. And as he breathed his last and Jesus died, he fulfilled a perfect life, one that was dedicated to honoring his father. So his body was removed uh, from the cross later that afternoon on that Friday so long ago. His body was prepared for burial and was placed in a tomb near Golgotha, the place of his execution. And a stone was placed over that entrance. And it seemed to be the end. Right? For, for us, death is the end. Right? For, for us, death is that, um, that thing <laughs> from which you don't recover. And on that day, what were the disciples feeling and sensing within themselves? And we get, you know, th uh, Friday afternoon into Saturday and early Sunday morning. There is a sense that all of their hopes have been dashed. Everything that they had looked forward to had been dashed. Jesus had given them promises of life. And now Jesus himself is dead. Think about in the uh, gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Think about the stories that are there of people who receive sight from this Jesus who is now dead. People that are walking because Jesus healed them who is now dead, buried, and in the tomb. So Friday passes, Saturday passes, and Sunday begins, like all the other mornings, filled with heartache. Have you ever had times in your life when the promises don't seem to meet the expectations? And there, there's that sense of forsakenness, that sense of brokenness that just can, uh, can capture us. The followers of Jesus are apparently hiding in fear. Uh, they are afraid because now, um, uh, even in this moment, uh, stories of Jesus' body not being there, and they're fearful and, and trying to figure out what is going on. So they're struggling to understand what's happening. And even though Jesus had said he would rise from the dead, they don't get it. Somehow they missed it in the moment. We can get it from, from the outside looking back at that time because we know the rest of the story. But the disciples in the middle of it are heartbroken and heartstricken over what's happened to their Lord. But now, something's about to happen that will blow their minds. Something's about to happen that will allow them to see Jesus for who he truly, really is. So early on that Sunday morning, uh, probably just after 6 a.m. or so, some of Jesus' followers were on their way to the tomb. And uh, in, this, in particular, in Mark, as we hear the story, it's a group of ladies who had prepared, um, they call them spices, to anoint Jesus' body at the tomb. When they arrive, they notice immediately something amazing. And we pick up the story, Mark chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled back. Then as they went into the tomb, wouldn't you... Right? And the stones are going to go in there, right? So they go in. They saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting at the right side or sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Again, wouldn't you be? Because you've gone in expecting to see the body of Jesus lying there. But instead, there's this person, this, uh, says this young man in a robe, in a white robe, sitting there. And so they were alarmed. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. Thank you, but I'm still going to be alarmed, right? Don't be alarmed. It says, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, and I love what he says, who was crucified. So yes, Mary and the others who were there, yes, you saw Jesus crucified. Crucifixion always ends in death, so yes, you saw Jesus die. He's dead. You came here expecting to see him dead. So you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. And in this phrase, he has been raised. He is not here. Okay. Look, there is the place where they laid him, right? And so, so they're looking at this place. They're expecting to see a body, but instead we find in other, uh, the other Gospels that there's uh, the strips of linen that Jesus was wrapped in. Those are sitting there in the place of Jesus' dead body. 
He says, but go, tell the disciples, even Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Our Jesus is not in the tomb. The reality of the cross is that, yes, he died. He was placed in the tomb because they went there to see the dead body of Jesus, but he is not there. So the disciples soon make their way to the tomb after the women had given their reports, and fear and wonder are still striking their hearts until Jesus, just a short while later, uh, we pick up this part of it in John chapter 20, uh, the disciples, again, are fearful. They're wondering what's going on. They lock themselves into, the, into this room with a bunch of the disciples. And it says in verse 19 of John chapter 20, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, and these are Jesus' first words to the disciples, peace be with you. How many of you need peace right now? You have situations in your life that are just brewing, that feel overwhelming. <laughs> Peace be with you. The first words that the risen Christ speaks to his disciples. And I believe these are words that Jesus wants to speak to you today as well. And it says, uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Basically saying, uh, the disciples are wondering, is, is this physical? Is this spiritual? Is it, this was absolutely a physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, a bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. He wasn't a ghost. They could touch him. They could feel him. It says later on that Thomas, I mean, he could put his hands in his side, so that scar is still there in Jesus. This is physical. And it says the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So the angels, uh, angels rejoice, the disciples rejoice. Jesus, the one that they saw crucified, the one that they saw dead and buried, is now alive, physically restored, resurrected, back to new life, all because God was at work. Now, God can do the same thing in our lives as well, because this resurrection is not just for 2,000 years ago, it's for today. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. <laughs> because this Jesus who died for us, gave himself willingly, suffered humiliation and brutal death upon the cross, he has risen from the dead to guarantee new life. He has defeated sin and death. He has won the victory for us as well. So let us celebrate this risen Jesus who is today, we're going to declare this anthem right, a praise to him. And so let's worship our King.
praise that he deserves. Lord, you are worthy. You are alive this morning, God, and we're here to lift you up. We're here to give you our praise. Whoo! He's alive. He's risen. He's our king. There's no one greater than him. I don't know about you, but I'm just so excited to celebrate that this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are seated on high. God, that there's nothing that we have to fear. God, that we can have peace deep within our hearts, deep within our minds and our souls. Lord, knowing, God, that you have overcome death. Lord, you have done the impossible. Lord, and you have set us free this morning. God, so we praise you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you, God, for who you are. Can we just give him another shout of praise this morning in this place? Lord, you are good. Hallelujah. I want to just welcome each and every single one of you to Life Church this morning. Oh, it's so good to see your faces. If this is your first time, welcome. Can we just welcome our first time guests this morning? We want to get to know you. This church is a church of relationships and family, right? And we want to get to know you. So if this is your first time, we want to invite you to take one of these cards in the seat back in front of you. Fill it out. We have a guest information table in the lobby this morning. And after the service, if you take it there, we're going to just give you some information about how to get involved here at Life Church, how to be a part of the body, how to be a part of this family. And more than that, we want to just share with you more about who Jesus is. And we have a fun little gift for you as well. Can we just welcome our first-time guests this morning again? Also this morning, I want to share with you, we have these lovely little pamphlets at each of the greeter stations as you walked in. They're called Our Turn. This week, we want to just continue the celebration of what God has done in our lives. And we're going to... Um, pray. We're going to fast this week beginning on Wednesday. We're going to have online devotionals beginning on Wednesday through Saturday for each and every single one of you here this morning. So if you hop onto Facebook this week, you'll find that. We just want to pray together. How many of you need a breakthrough in your life? right? Of any kind. I know I do. And so this week, we're going to just take time to pray. We're going to take time to seek God's face and fast and believe that God is at work and pray for breakthroughs in our family and our community and our nation, whatever it may be, in our personal lives. And we just want to invite you to do that. And then this Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., we're going to have a night of worship where we're just going to come together. We're going to worship our King. We're going to lift his name high and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray over one another and we're just going to come believing to meet with God how many of you I just love to be in God's presence there's no better place and so we want to invite you be here this Wednesday night you do not want to miss out it's just a beautiful time of worshiping and being with others and being in God's presence well this morning and as as I was thinking about Easter and I was thinking about all that God is doing I began to think about our giving and I began to think about missions and our tithes and I was thinking about how when I give, I don't give just out of obligation. And I give, yes, to meet a need because God takes our offerings, he takes our tithes, he takes our missions, and he uses that all across the world. And he uses that here in our neighborhoods to reach people that we can't on our own. But we also give because we recognize who Jesus is. We recognize who our Savior is and what he's done for us. And we recognize that he's worthy. Isn't he worthy, folks? I think about the, all of the people in the Bible who gave in so many different ways. I think the little boy who gave his fish and his loaves. I think about Mary who brought her perfume and washed Jesus' feet. I think about the widow who gave her might all that she had. They did this not because they had to. They did it because they recognized who their God is and how mighty he is, and they wanted to offer it as an act of worship and praise to him. So as we give this morning, I want to invite our ushers, let's just give as an act of worship to our king this morning. Let's give because we recognize who he is. He's our God almighty. He's our God who goes before us. He's our God who makes a way when there is no way. 
and we give as an act of worship because God, we love you and we want to praise you, not only with our time, not only with our words and our songs, but we want to prove it in every act of our way, of our lives, and that's even through our finances. So let's just pray this morning, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who can overcome death. God, we thank you that you are a God who goes before us, Lord, and that you prepare the way even before we get there, even before we see it coming. And Lord, I pray that as we give this morning, Lord, that you would prepare the way, God, for ministry to go forth. God, we pray, God, that doors would just begin to open, Lord God, and, and not only from this church in individual ways, Lord God, through our ministries, but I pray for each and every individual in this place, God, that doors of opportunity to minister, God, would happen in their individual lives, in their families, in their workplaces, in their places of school. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just use them, God, to expand your kingdom, God, and bless, Lord, our offerings today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and give in person here at the front this morning. You can give online at a kiosk. If you're online, go ahead and give online this morning. And take the next 60 seconds to find someone and say, Happy Easter. Well, it is good to uh, be here this morning, and I really can't wait to see what God does remainder of our uh, remainder of our time uh, together uh, this morning. Um, can I? Get, I, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, I didn't do this first service, but I would like to do that uh, this service. Um, we do a uh, every Thursday. Um, we do something called food share, and uh, this past Thursday, I believe we had 260 families. Uh, that came through our uh, our food share, the largest that we've ever had. But I want to I want to say thank you to all of our volunteers who help out with that. Uh, that is a big heavy lift, um, and uh, so grateful for that. And uh, I I know that it's making an impact within our community, and people see Life Church in that light. Um, that we are we are for the valley, right? We are for those who are in those positions uh, where there is need, where there is want. And uh, just so grateful that we have incredible volunteers to help out on Thursday. But And along with that, all of our ushers and greeters and worship team and media team and all that, can we just give a big uh, thank you to everybody uh, here at Life Church who serves so faithfully and uh, just so, so grateful for them. Uh, so the resurrection is what Easter is all about. And as uh, uh, th this for us becomes important, uh, because it shouldn't just be something that happened 2,000 years ago. It shouldn't just be something that uh, we celebrate once a year, although it's certainly appropriate for us to do so. Uh, but Peter, who was uh, one of the disciples very close to Jesus, and he had a rocky up and down road with Jesus. How many of you at times your relationship with Jesus is a little bit up and down, right? Okay, and uh, this was Peter. There was the up days, there were the down days. Seems like sometimes his down days were more than the up days, but... Uh, Peter, later on in his leadership, he writes a, a letter to a church. But 1 Peter chapter 1, he says this. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, in this very short passage, um, I believe that there's, there's two things that are, that are going to help us understand what the resurrection is all about. Because if the resurrection is just a worship, or just a, a service like this, uh, then it's lost its power. If it's just something that we point back to in history, it can lose its power. The point of resurrection is not so that we can have a nice church service. 
and eat Cadbury cream eggs. Although Cadbury cream eggs are really good. Anybody like Cadbury cream eggs? Or am I the only one? All right. They're great for diets as well. They're, they're fantastic. So Peter helps us understand this idea of what resurrection is actually all about through two things. The first thing he says is, in his great mercy, he's given us new birth. New birth. Um, this is not just a new outlook on life, as if you go from, I was pessimistic before Jesus, and now I'm optimistic. Okay, that's, that's not the point at all. This is a completely new life. There's a sense here of the reality of the old life is gone. Every bit of the old Jew has been completely redefined. <laughs> Every bit of the old way that you were, the uh, kind of the, um, the old way of thinking is gone. The old way that you did relationships is gone because of the resurrection of Jesus. The old selfishness of God, the, the old, uh, I'm sorry, the old abusive ways are gone. The old addictions are gone because of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. The old retreats in the face of the new. Uh, Paul, somebody who also had this come to Jesus moment in his life in the New Testament, um, he was somebody who was totally backward in what he understood about God. Uh, like I think many of us, right, we're totally backwards in what we think of who, who God is. But this is what he writes in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17. He says, so then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. That's a, that's a, a light way to say the old has died, right? We, we, when we don't want to say somebody died, we say they passed away. It's a softer way to say that. But Paul is saying the old person has died, the old us. Everything's become new. Look, what is new has come. And in all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus from the dead way back nearly 2,000 years ago, that was the first step of new creation. It's not the final step. It's the first step of new creation. And then every one of us who then choose to follow Jesus, who choose to have him as Lord of our life, we get to take that same first step into new creation. And the old has gone and the new has come. This is not some faraway promise of heaven that, that life is better there, although heaven we certainly look forward to. But that's not the point of resurrection. The point of resurrection is that that new life is partially available to us now through the power of the spirits. We can experience this uh, new life in part in our current condition. It's like there's an overlap uh, where we are now with this overlap of new creation that will ultimately be revealed for us when Jesus returns. Um, well, N.T. Wright, who's a, a fantastic author and, and, uh, and leader, he writes, the present time is the overlap. The time when the age to come has broken in while the present evil age is still rumbling on. Remember we talked about the very beginning? There just seems to be something wrong with this world. This is the present evil age. And somehow the resurrection of Jesus Christ begins to overlap this present evil age. And we get to experience new creation even now. So why is there an overlap? Why doesn't God finish the job right away? Why? Why is it this in-between time? God's rescue operation is an act of love. And he's unwilling to foreclose on the many who are presently being wooed and won by the gospel. So why is there an overlap? Because God is patient with us. Not wanting any of us to perish. But wanting all of us through his kindness to come to repentance. So that we can experience this new life in Jesus. And this new life that we have, it leads somewhere. It's not just new life for ourselves, although that certainly is part of the picture. This new life leads somewhere. And as Peter says, it leads into a living hope, a living hope. And so this is what excites me. So this hope is how Jesus pictures his life lived in us because of his resurrection. It says we have new life 
in the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what Jesus pictures for us. When he rose from the dead, he pictures the hope that we can now live our lives in. Yes, in the middle of darkness and brokenness and uncertainty and unprecedented times and all of that, we have hope in Jesus Christ. And hope is not just words. It's action. It's the realization that we have a purpose to live for and to fulfill. We become partners with God in living out new creation now. It only makes sense, having been launched, that uh, uh, this new creation is then put to work in the world. That is the primary task of the Holy Spirit within us, to put into practice what's achieved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Spirit lives in us and strengthens us to live this new creation in a world that is broken and, and hurting and wounded. So we live before the ending of the world. Some of you thought the end of the world had happened. No, it hasn't. <laughs> right? We live before the ending of the world. This world, which will never be perfect in, in this age, it does not mean, however, that there can't be glimmers of God's hope and life in this world. And how does he choose to do that? Through us. When we invite Jesus into our life, we say, Jesus, be the Lord of our life, something changes. And because Jesus is alive, we have a hope that can proclaim freedom. Because Jesus is alive, our lives do not have to remain broken and forsaken. Because Jesus is alive, he provides opportunity for us to have new life. Because he's alive, chains of despair are broken. Addictions can be defeated. Because Jesus is alive, he is here today among us to transform us by his spirit. Because Jesus is alive. So what does this new life look like? Is it instantaneous? that we get it all right, that we figure it all out. I've been a Christian for 32 years, roughly. I don't have it all figured out yet. <laughs> Sorry, if, if that, if that uh, alarms you, your pastor doesn't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. But what I do know is that because Jesus has risen from the dead, that we can experience him today. So does Jesus see our grief and pain? Or does he leave us alone in our misery? Does he see us trying and say, well, you tried and failed, so I'm not going to help you anymore? No. Thank God he doesn't do that. So what does it look like? Well, in part, I think it might look like this. Turn your attention to the screens. Holly was born uh, September 27th, 1999. From the instant I saw her, you know, I just thought, there's this little miracle right there. She had the biggest heart. She loved everybody. As she grew, it was something that was so unique that it, it, at times it would baffle me. On the day of the funeral, Holly had stayed at a friend's house the night before. And we had told her, you know, be home by nine o'clock so that we can get ready. And we got up the next day and nine o'clock came and went. And my wife, Misty, was trying to get a hold of her and she wouldn't answer. So I started, I text her, tell her baby doll, now's not the time to sleep in. We need to get home, we gotta get home, we gotta be there by 11. She never read it, so I called her. And then I called her again and I called her again. And I started getting worked up a little bit. And so I told my son Easton, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go, go for a drive real quick. And right as I was going around the corner at 111, Misty had called me and said that there was a, a horrible accident. Live from Fox 13 Studio. Last December 1st, hit broadside by a pickup truck in the intersection of U111 and 5400 South during a snowstorm. When Holly didn't come home that morning, Aaron and his wife went out looking for her and actually came upon the accident scene. I asked him, where is she? And he said Holly was killed on him. And uh, 
and it just devastated me. It just, everything I knew up to that point had just been destroyed. I didn't want to feel this. And so, uh, in a roundabout way, uh, I ended up at the liquor store. And so that day is when I started to numb the pain, um, or at least try to. 2.30 in the morning, I went to bed. And I was laying there, and you, in that in that moment, all I could feel was just hopelessness. Just this, this void of destruction. I told God I can't do this. We got through it, but every step of the way, every day, I was numbing it. But the pain would always get a little bit stronger than the numbing, so I'd have to up my game a little bit. And that went on um, for quite a while, for just over two years. Uh, even though there were times in all the sorrow, all the sadness, all the all the grief, where I felt like God wasn't there, where I felt like I was facing this alone. I look back now and I can see that he was there every step of the way. Um, it's just sometimes I was so indulged in that grief and so overwhelmed by it, consumed by it, that I just didn't see it. So over time, the hope was starting to grow. I probably prayed a thousand times. Um, that Jesus would take that from me, that he would just make it stop. But then I would take it back and still run with it because that's what I knew was to know. I, I didn't, didn't quite know how to hand this whole situation over. Progress was starting to grow. This, this, this seed that had been planted was starting to come out of the ground. The last day I drank, I could just feel the pain coming up. So I automatically went back to numbing. The next morning I got up and I walked upstairs and I looked at how much I drank. Just all these emotions are swirling and then out of nowhere I heard, it just, I could just feel it that this life is dead. And all these months and a couple of years of praying for it and all of a sudden it's just right there. And it felt like this weight had just been lifted off. And it was like Jesus had just reached down in this abyss of numbing, of grief, of everything, like this ball and chain that had dragged me to the bottom had now been busted off. When I looked at that bottle, I grabbed it. And a lot of these bottles have the slow pour feature. And when I shoved the bottle on the drain, it wasn't draining very fast. And I thought, you know, I could, I could just dump it. But then I thought, I don't want to dump it. I want to watch the life leave this bottle. I want to watch this thing die. So I found the next bottle and down the drain it went in the same manner. Um, everything in the house went, anything with alcohol. Something that had gripped my life for so long through this whole journey was now absolutely and completely defeated. It was gone. It no longer had that grip. And when I got through, I thought, this is it. You know, this is, this is day one. I'm, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. And I'm done with that life. And it's been 36 days and we haven't looked back. Everything has completely changed. Um, the pain's still there. Uh, of course, I'm always gonna miss Holly. Um, there's always gonna be that, that part of it that's with me. This was something that only God is capable of, to take me from the point of drinking that much every day um, to absolutely nothing and no turning back is nothing short of what God can do.
right? He is alive. He reigns on high. So I know Aaron uh, pretty well over the last uh, couple of years, getting to know him. And uh, I know Miss, Misty's here this service. Aaron was here. I think Misty was here last service as well. But uh, what's so great about the story is that this story continues uh, for Aaron and for Misty and for, his, for, for really his entire family. Remember we talked about the resurrection, uh, resurrected life of Christ living through us. It's not just about us, but what has happened because of what God has done in Aaron's life, and now I think we're at like 50 plus days that, that God has really uh, kept him. Uh, kept him. Um, this has impacted his family, as you can imagine, in some really beautiful ways. I know his mom has been praying for years in Aaron's life, and all of this conspires in this moment when Aaron looks at his life, and Jesus speaks to him and says, this has to change. And this new resurrected life of hope and new life is something that Aaron has experienced. And this is something that every one of us can experience as well. When I say, Pastor, it's not alcohol in my life. This isn't the thing that has grabbed a hold of me, but all of us, I believe without Christ have something that holds us. We have, we have something that deep seats within our life and we think we can control it. We think that we've got what it takes. Maybe it's an attitude that crops up all the time. Maybe it's anger that's lashed out. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's some other addiction. And you would say, man, I know life has to, has to change. This resurrected life of Jesus, I want this in my life because I know that God has more for my life than what I'm struggling with right now. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. You are here this morning and maybe you're watching online as well. And you would say, I know that I need this resurrected life of Jesus because right now my life is going nowhere. Right now, you recognize that there are addictions, there are things in your life that hold you back, that keep you from becoming what you know that God has created you to be. And you would say, Pastor, I know that I need Jesus in my life. I know that I need to receive him because I need new life and I need a living hope to be within if that's you this morning, you would say, I know I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, can you very simply raise your hand at this time? Thank you. Thank you. Many hands are up, and you know you need freedom in your life. Thank you so much. There's so many hands up upstairs in the balcony as well. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what I'd like to do. There are a lot of hands that are raised. I would like for all of us together at this time to repeat a very, very simple prayer after me. It's not magic, right? Uh, what it is, though, is to help you with words. Maybe you've never prayed before, and this will help you with words. And so everybody, please repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's say it like we mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord. Jesus, change my life. Forgive my sins. Make me a new creation. Help me to experience living hope. Jesus, thank you for transforming me from the inside out. Lord, I love you, and I will serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's welcome all of those who prayed for the very first time, perhaps. So here's what I'd like you to do, kind of as the, this, this final moment of commitment. In the seat back in front of you, you'll see the Connect card. We've already talked a little bit about it. But there's also a place on there if you're a first-time guest, right? But uh, beyond that, there is a place on there that says, I'm ready to follow Jesus. We want to help you in the decision that you have made. And if it's a first-time decision or you've made this decision before, if you could do us a favor, fill out this card, and you can take it to the Guest Welcome Center. Give it to one of our ushers because we really want to help you in this decision that you've made uh, for Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. You need people around you to help you. You need people around you uh, to encourage you. Uh, just like in Aaron's life, I know there have been many people that have poured into his life. You need that as well in your life. We want to see God bring you victory. Um, in your life. Now, one of the things about Life Church Utah is uh, if this is your very first time, 
next week and you return, it's not your very first time, and you are family. And I want to welcome you uh, to Life Church Utah. If you do not have a church family, we would love for you to be part of our family here, uh, here in West Valley City. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we are called to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We, again, have not, we're not all just like Jesus is, but we are striving to be that way. And some of the ways that we do that is we believe that Jesus is radically generous with us, so we need to be radically generous with him, with the way that we live our life in the community around us. Uh, also, we believe that Jesus intentionally loves us, and so we are going to intentionally love one another and love those in our community, and we strive to be grounded uh, deeply within the Bible. And uh, we believe, obviously, Jesus was as well. And so that is what Life Church Utah is all about, and we welcome you to be part of this family. I'm going to pray one final prayer and then one final uh, blessing at the very end. Lord, thank you for today. I'm grateful for these who have gathered together. Some of them now, Lord, are brand new members of your family, and we rejoice with them, God, over the decision that they have made today. And, uh, God, we do give you all of the glory and all the honor. And, Jesus, we are grateful that we get to celebrate alongside of you at this incredible day uh, called Easter. Lord, I thank you that you are no longer in the grave, but you have risen from the dead. And we rejoice with you, God, in the life change that you bring. And as it says in Hebrews chapter 13, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back uh, from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.